Welcome to episode five of Keep the Hotel Empty. I'm your host, Eric Paul. In studio today, we are grateful to welcome in music curator, hip-hop ambassador, and artist manager, DJ Sellis. In today's episode, Sellis discusses the early days of internet radio, what he feels it takes to be heard, and some of his duties managing two active hip-hop artists. Please enjoy. Welcome to Keep the Hotel Empty. Today we've kept the hotel empty to welcome in our friend Celis. Celis is a broadcast professional and artist representation for almost two decades. Welcome, Celis. Thank you, man. It's great to be here. And now when you put it in that context, yeah, I guess so now. Almost, yeah, yeah 20 years since 2004. So it's great to be here and still be here. Right. <laughs> so I want to talk a little bit, of course, about high-definition DJs and where you're at now. Yeah. But I want to kind of start at the start at always. And uh, some things that I think a lot of people aren't familiar with. Take me back to your start when internet radio was just kind of becoming a rumbling oh, and the yeah. scene where you started yeah it's kind of it's a different animal because I've, I've had experience within commercial nonprofit, college radio and then i started internet radio in 2010 and that was with uh, his name's john miller he used to run fcc free radio and you know it was just a different beast you know it's when you're at local radio station you know people you'll encounter and They'll hear your voice and, oh, I know your show. So you're like, awesome. You know, someone's listening. But the power and the mysteries of the internet, when that, uh, like, for example, when I first did the show there, you know, I had social media following, whatever you have it, you post, you let whoever's in your network know you have a show. And I followed this, um, this sports show. So I did my first show. And the next week they go, hey, do you have like a following or do you have anything? And I said, no, I mean, I've done radio, I've played it, and they say, yeah, because um, you went from, you know, there's 50 shows, you went from dead last to number two overnight. <laughs> and I said, really? He said, yeah, you did 5,000 downloads, you know, almost literally, like, within the first week, and then the week after that, you did another, like, 5,000. So I was like, damn, I should probably be a little more conscious of what I say, because then, you know, it's just the mysteries of the internet, and then... You know, whether it's the SEO or the directories on how they're able to channel that. And then when you see that, where, you know, how, it, then it just opens up the mysteries of how people are finding and hearing it. So, you know, that was kind of how I got my start. And I did that for, you know, a couple of years. And then I actually ended up moving out here to Florida. So you did terrestrial radio first. Yeah. And where were you doing that? That was in, started in 2004 um, at UC Santa Cruz. So it was at their college radio station, KZSC. And I didn't take the class. I didn't, had no interest really. I just was basically a big nerd about hip hop. And I had a sociology class and I ended up sitting next to, um, the director of the station and he was like man you know a lot like you should come on my radio show and I'm like what do you mean he's like oh I'm the director of hip hop for the radio station so we ended up doing a show it was called Who Drops the Beat and that was his show his name was uh, Leor Brown and um, yeah started doing that and that was just kind of kind of how it led into it and then you know it's just kind of when you have the airwaves and the, the possibilities and you can produce your own show and get your content out there, you know, it just kind of opens up a bunch of different things and, you know, just how you present, you know, in my case, presenting music or, you know, interviewing interesting guests um, just kind of gives you the bug, you know. So you're still talking pretty much Wild West of Internet radio at that point. Yeah. Transitioning from college radio into Internet radio and the Internet radio started here in Florida. 
Um, no, internet radio started in San Francisco. Okay. And then I did that for a couple of years. Um, and man, if I knew then what I knew now, you know, at that <laughs> point. Um, but then I moved out here to Sarasota um, and just got tired of San Francisco. Um, it's expensive. And, you know, now there's more poop on the streets. So, yeah, right. So um, I came out to um, WSLR. Um, which is the community radio station here. I did a hip-hop show there for seven years and then did some time at the same time for three years of that as well at um, WSRQ here in Sarasota, and that was producing talk radio shows, so that was more on the production side. So when it comes to radio, I can, you know, I've worked as a host, I've, you know, and then I can produce, record, edit, engineer, and kind of do the whole thing, you know, from tip to stern with, you know, distribution, all that stuff. So, you know, as I've worked with, other personalities and radio and podcasts. It's been like, you know, I don't know many things. Uh, I know a little bit about so many things, but radio, you know, it's just, to me, it's like, there's a formula to it, you know, and, and there's a formula, but there's no structure. So it's very dependent on what you as the creator are doing. So, you know, what does that look like? Whatever you want to do. So that's like the tough thing to explain to people because they ask, well, how do you do it? It, Well, it just depends. You know, you have to start doing it. And then it turns into kind of a process and kind of evolves and, you know, you find your groove because, you know, I, I think to really want to do something, you kind of have to suck at it at yeah, first, right. you know, or you just have to have a starting point and just be willing to kind of like build and then, you know, do it consistently. And, you know, it's really kind of the love and passion and just enjoying music at that. And, you know, really looking back, it's what's really got me, you know, to where I am now, where I've met you know, so many people, different artists, you know, from all the various mediums. I mean, it's, you know, how I met you as well. Right. So, yeah. And I definitely want to, I definitely want to get into that because I I see how this tree has branched out so much. And I, Mm -hmm. I find that interesting with everybody, you know, you, you get one discipline and then it turns into, to multiple. And, and that was what made me curious. What did you find, if anything, transitioned well from your time in terrestrial radio into the beginnings of internet? And what surprised you that it was like, okay, this internet radio beast is actually different in this regard? Well, good question. Um, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's one in the same in the sense of, you know, either you're playing music or you're interviewing people and you're talking on a mic, right? Mm-hmm. But how you get to that journey and how you do it and put your own flair and style is one thing. But, you know, I think it's the difference in terrestrial internet radio is just the power of the internet and the power to have your own brand and the power to kind of like cross pollinate with people. So in terrestrial radio, you can't be like, Oh, I'm at this station, which is a major broadcast, whatever. And you're at a different station. It's like if you work at ABC or NBC, you can't go, hey, I'm on ABC. You can come on, you know, can I go on your NBC show and you come on mine? Right. And so that, having that power, it's really, I think, relational with artists and the people you work with on their format. So, you know, again, all relationship-based. But again, it's now you have social media, you know, which is huge, and then just kind of creating content. So it's really building your own independent machine and then kind of what you feed it. And then, you know, again, then you get into your SEO, you get into directories, your distribution, and then how you're creating that content because it can be a 15-second clip that people get interested in. It could be 30 seconds. It could be a minute. Right. Or it could be, you know, long form or leads them into that. So it's just kind of how you break it down and where people find their comfort thing. So it's really just being able to kind of be yourself and, you know, do what you do best or, you know, what you're driven to do. 
So, so taking off some of the guardrails of the, the traditional structures of corporate media has r- really allowed you to, to, to cross-pollinate, as you put it, more yeah. so than you would have been able to if you would have been graduated through the, yeah, because, the college radio into a larger radio yeah, market. Because I've worked at, you know, community radio um, is great, but, you know, again, it's, it's the bandwidth. But I think the other thing, too, is you can prove the numbers. So that's what can lead to your po- your profitability it can lead to you know a bigger audience you can prove all those things whereas terrestrial radio you have to be like okay our wattage area covers x amount right so within that x amount you can say you can efficiently say five maybe ten percent of people at that given time you're on air or listening but i can't really prove it to you whereas on the internet radio, you can see that by IP address, by what phone they're on, you know, all those things. So you're able to prove that. So then that's what makes you able standing as your own on a brand to then go, okay, I could either find sponsors or attract sponsors because now you have the numbers to prove it that breaks out into your demographics and all that thing too. So again, there's the mysteries of the internet, but then there's also those hard facts that it provides you know, with that. So terrestrial radio is great. I mean, I've had that experience, but you just have more freedom when it's in a podcast form or internet radio, you know, and that's what's led me to work now with the high definition DJs, um, led by DJ reality, um, DJ Dommy styles and DJ T baby. They were just like, come here and do your thing. And I'm like, okay, do my thing. And they're like, yeah, whatever you do, just, you know, do it and just do it consistently. And then, you know, just kind of, and so I've been, I've done about a show like the last month. So I do like a weekly show producing music and, you know, seeing how the numbers kind of go and then kind of expanding out, but they offer um, a lot of different opportunities and they're continuing to build. So it just made sense, like coming to be there at the right time to, you know, just kind of explore and see what the possibilities are. But, you know, long and short, I got the itch again too. So it was just kind of to be able to funnel what I do in helping artists and, you know, kind of have it as a home base and also just do it yourself because again, helping artists on the other side where getting promotion or getting heard, whether that's, you know, playlists or blogs and all that stuff, you know, just having at least your own platform that you can promote and put your own things on and have that space is, is important. Because when you say show at this point, you're talking about a show in context where you're doing a showcase of music. You're not doing like a DJ bits in between too much where you're talking to guests or doing current events or anything like that. You're curating music now when you yeah. say show. That's what you yeah, mean, right? Yeah, curating. And then I plan to add some some artists and you know have some interviews on that. The show is called The Process. and. Okay. You know, it, it, that's what it is to me. It's just everything is a process, you know, but it's just really how you react to it. You know, you're always going through something or dealing with something, whether good or bad, and you just hope that there's a light at the tunnel and it ends the way you want it to or you're trying to work towards that. So And a good soundtrack. Yeah, and a good soundtrack. So it's just kind of, and again, working with those DJs, I didn't place much value on it at the time because sometimes like, oh, I'm just playing music and putting it together. But then they're like, no, it's an actual experience because now you don't really have that. You've got algorithms, you got Spotify and all over the place, but there's still a lot of people that want to find good music and, you know, or at least something that's that they want to hear. And so... You know, again, that's I think that's the the space I serve is just taking people on that journey, you know, and and mixing things up. So it's kind of open format. So, you know, for me, sometimes it's, you know, whether it's a feeling or it's a melody that gets stuck in my head or, 
you know, relevant to current events or, you know, something like that. So I'm the common thread through the music I play. And then, you know, to be able to kind of produce it in a way, then taking them on that ride. So there's an introduction, you have your music, and then I'm telling you why. And then, you know, kind of going through that. So, you know, it's just kind of the course of the process of, I guess, life in a lot of ways. So is the idea of the the high definition DJs platform sort of like a, a curation of the curation, like a playlist that's uh, more tangible? Because like you said, you're woven into this a bit more than just, you know, I know a guy on playlist I f- or uh, Spotify, I follow his playlist. Is this kind of like an evolution of that? Is that what the... Yeah, I think it gives uh, a little more space and personality to it. But I also have the playlists on Apple Music and on Spotify for people to listen. But there's, you know, I'm more of a radio personality DJ, whereas, you know, there's plenty of DJs within the network um, that are part of the high-definition DJs that you know, that they do live DJ sets and spin there. So what they're creating is essentially a space for DJs to be who they are with the vision of where they want to be and who they want to be. So, you know, they're looking at, you know, for someone like me, there's possibilities of syndication and other stations and picking up the show. And then, you know, there's other DJs where, you know, people hear it and they want to book them, you know, for whatever. So there's, um, it just offers the space, but, you know, it feels like through the content I create and curate and then, you know, eventually artists and things I interview, um, you know, just to kind of master those possibilities and, you know, just kind of see where it goes from there. So the way it kind of works as it relates to the terrestrial thing, if you had a show like this and you were, say, on an NBC station back in the day, the best mm-hmm. you could do is be syndicated to all the other NBC affiliates, yeah? Sure. But now in this case, and correct me if I'm wrong here, in this case, if you get something going, theoretically, you can syndicate to whoever you want to. This yeah. is the idea? Yeah, opens up that possibility because then some of the other DJs within the network also work at radio stations on the terrestrial side, too. So, you know, again, it, it felt before it was like it was just me doing it. But now when you have this whole network of DJs, then now there's reach because you can go now I can go directly to this coalition of DJs and say hey I have this artist or I got this project and you know if they like it you know because even then it's just the opportunity to get the access to that and you know with hip-hop culture turning 50 you know this past week right that you know it was a culture started by DJs so essentially curators and tastemakers um, through that so you know, again, to kind of magnify the power and then what I bring in what I've been doing, then, you know, I think it just opens up more possibilities and it benefits, you know, the other artists and, um, you know, musicians I work with. I think he, that that brings up something very interesting. Sure. You're exactly right. When, when hip hop starts, this is a DJ culture. This is mm-hmm. underground. This is someone who can curate the sounds and, and proliferate what's cool. Yeah. You know, and somewhere along the line, we lost that quite a bit when we went rogue on the Internet. And somewhere now we have and you I think you used the perfect word for it, we've we've got the reemergence of what is tastemakers. Yeah. But there's kind of scrambling for the high ground on that because everybody has an opinion. Right. How do you think this looks going forward? How do we get back to the point where there is somebody? What What do you see and how do you see yourself being the somebody that people can look to and say, you know what, I know I can listen to Celis's show and get a hot track just like I knew whatever Def Jam was going to put out next was going to be sure. a record I liked 30 years ago. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? How do we, what, what do you see the road is between where we are kind of now where everybody has an opinion and where we get back <laughs> to the point where there is some like, yeah. 
I, you I know, think something. I think everybody to. is entitled to their opinion. Yeah. Um, you know, with that. And so it's kind of like, you know, I care about what I do, but I don't expect everybody else to. And so, you know, again, you're fighting for everybody's attention, whether it's on their phone or a different internet radio station. There's, there's so many possibilities. So it's just focused on what I'm doing. And if it catches on and people listen, it's great. Um, but yeah, I think building, towards that is just it's just giving the space to have the opportunity and then you know you got the things behind it the social media aspect and you know what people find and all that stuff but you know essentially it's kind of like finding your tribe you know but I, right. I don't try and hinder anybody i just kind of continue doing what what i do and if people catch on to it great if they don't that's great too you know because i think you know as long as you have people that don't like you then you're doing something right this is you true. know in, in some respect <laughs> and in consistency consistency over time is what is greatness i think you know it's just being able to consistently do it and still be here not when it's popular you know, but when it's not popular and you face some losses or, you know, life happens, things like that, then, you know, just it, it ends up being kind of an anchor point, you know, where you can always kind of like go back to that and just know, like, at least this is your space you can give air to. And, you know, you just kind of see and just kind of build off those possibilities. So, um, you know, and, you know, like you said, where does you see it going? It, it reminds me of like most deaf, you know, where they said, you know, they're worrying about hip hop. Well, you know, when you ask about where's hip hop going, you know, ask yourself, where am I going? So, you know, I can only take my journey and what I'm doing and the artists that I work with and, you know, just kind of master those possibilities at the end of the day. So, you know, again, it's just being able to have the space to create and, you know, you just kind of see where it goes. And, you know, I think especially when it comes to music business and the industry, a lot of it is, um, you know, heavily relationship based. I mean, we Very all true. well know you've been in music yourself for a long time and we've come across people that we work well with. And then there's ones that, you know, to put it simply that you don't. Right, right, <laughs> you know? right. So, yeah, I think it's just, it's heading in the direction. I mean, there's just so many possibilities and I think it's just really cutting across the noise of things. And that is, you know, what the show or the podcast offers. But I think everybody's content has value. And in a free market society, then you can always find a niche. You can always find, and you, sometimes you don't even know what that is. You know, you just kind of have to put it out there. Like my stuff can be, you know, that's why I explained to the DJ when they asked, like, well, how do you characterize your show? I said, you know, I, sometimes if I just want to do a whole show about Andre 3000 from Outcast, like I want the space to do that. Or if I want to play funk, soul, hip hop, rock, you know, things, you know, again, it's just explaining and taking them on a journey as to the logic of why you're doing what you're doing. Right. And, you know, making it interesting. So, you know, again, you can, you know, you, you know, as an audio engineer, you can get to the nitty gritty and the nerdiness of it. You know, was, <laughs> you know, was the levels right? Did the vo was it clear? What mics did they record on? Was it a sound? You know, you can because after a while, your ear just gets developed to that. So you just know that. So it's just right. trying to find the right methods and things like that. So, you know, again, everything is is a process and putting that together in a way that is enjoyable to the listeners ultimately, but you kind of have to end up doing it for yourself and at the same time so that you can keep doing it and you enjoy doing it, but right. you know, at the end of like keeping it through. So it's, it's, it, it's a balance thing, you know, so you have to take it seriously to the point that you don't take it too seriously also. 
So with such an open ground and the free-for-all things that is kind of the state of play right now, mm-hmm. what do you think gives you the biggest advantage to, to get some attention? Do you think it's your experience? Do you think it's your, I mean, I know you've got a huge swath of, of background information about hip-hop. Yeah. What, what do you think sets you apart? Uh, I guess setting me apart. That's another good question, man. Um, I guess it's just, you know, again, just having... At the end of the day, I think what you can't take away from people, especially people that have been doing it consistently, is just the time that they've put in, right? you know, and just the execution of it, you know? So for me, like with a, a curated show, and right now I, I've done two-hour shows, and this one I'm doing currently is about an hour. So it's very tight, you know, right. I like to be very cohesive. So, And I like to be efficient, and I don't like to waste people's time. So when I, when I present something, it's because I've listened to it two, three, four, five times at least to make sure it's tight. You know, I was up till like 3 a.m. last night just combing through music and just kind of where it just goes on this journey where you just take like, it starts with one thing, it may make it on the list or it may not and just, you just kind of go on this journey and you know it's just, and it's just being creative and I'm guessing you've been you've been digging through sounds like that since before it was as easy as Spotify this is something you oh, do yeah. yeah where do you think that passion to find the next music that's going to move you comes from that I mean it, it's just it's I, I guess it's like when music was there was a lot more gatekeepers in music I think so you know, I grew up in the era, and I guess this is dating myself, of, you know, taking the blank tape and recording off the radio station, mm-hmm. you know, and trying to get the whole song, but then trying to cut it off right before the DJ starts talking. Yeah, be quick on that pause button. Yeah, hit the pause, <laughs> and, you know, maybe give it some space and just, you know, that real kind of primitive mixing. Yes, sir. Um, so, you know, it's just, yeah, it just kind of ends up, you know, I would still do it anyway, you know, making playlists or just things because, you know, again, especially now is... You can, you know, it's like the artists I work with where, you know, it's not, all it takes is one song, you know, something for them to hear it. And I always want it to be where, you know, where they hear your story, no matter where they jump in, you know, where so they go, they hear it at whatever particular moment, right? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, is it that interesting where they go, damn, I want to know and hear more moving forward. But are they also curious to go, damn, I wonder what else that they've done, you know, and you do that with artists, you find one and then you, you check out their other catalog and find all that stuff. So like on my show, I'll, I'll play something that's that's brand new, came out this week, but then I'll mix in something from like 96, you know, or 2004, because it's just where my mind or something just leads me to that. And just as long, you know, so that it's cohesive, you know, and and again, it's just, you know, I think what sets me apart is just kind of the time and the nerdiness of what, you know, I've, I've been doing. So do you think that's the cohesion amongst your show, the nerdiness, for lack of a better term? You're passionate about more than one flavor and you want to share that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, because that's just what I was raised on, too. You know, my, my dad listened to, like, everything from contemporary jazz from, you know, Kenny G to <laughs> Charday to Earth, Wind & Fire, Ooh, that's uh, the Santana, you know, things like that, you know, and then Motown. So just being versed around that stuff. And then, you know, it's, and then part of it is just kind of like putting order to chaos. You know, I, I kind of have probably some borderline, you know, OCD um, and some ADD at that too. So it's like putting all that stuff together and, you know, putting order to chaos essentially yeah. and just, you know, trying to find a, a common thread. And that's what's cool about radio too is just meeting different personalities where they have, 
you know, it, they all, we all, it, the, the show and the content may be different, but they all kind of function in the same way. You know, they're just, I think, expressing themselves differently, you know, from the experiences we all come from. You know, they're all, they're all, it, it's kind of the same thing. You all have an experience and, you know, where you're going currently, but that process, that experience, and specifically how you got there is, is all different. So, um, it's just, and then people being interested in the story, whether that's the person as the DJ or the music that they enjoy hearing. You know, you just, you just nowadays, you don't know what is going to draw people in. You know, you see artists where they make a song and they were like, "This is terrible. I didn't even like it," and all of a sudden it just blows up. Like, right? You yeah, know, that you see that. You see that all the time with artists where they're like, you know, they have to perform that one song, and you know, it, it's their bread and butter, and that's the hit that they know, and you know, you just never know. So yeah, I think it's just continuing to build and just do what what is there. And your show isn't, and your your view of music isn't necessarily about avoiding those tracks that they have to play, and and you know the 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 track everybody knows. It's about the combination of the deep cuts and yeah, deep deep cuts. Um, yeah, th- there's always a method to the madness, you know. But sometimes it, it feels right to play that hit. Or, you know, or just find that. And, and again, it's kind of how it relates to the rest of the show and, you know, go through those things. So, you know, I'll, I'll play something that's like completely rock. And then by the end of it, it's DJ premiere, you know, so there's right. songs in between that just, you know, it just makes sense to me. And then just kind of see. And it's just, yeah, I think uh, my friend DJ Reality told it to me, I said, because sometimes now is is everybody has an ear. And she says the 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 good ones you know, have a good ear. The great ones trust it. That's a good one. Yeah. So it's just trusting your ear and doing that. And, you know, when I've worked with artists and, you know, worked with artists that have toured on stages with Andrea Bocelli and, you know, they, they gave us two different mixes of a song and they said, you know, which one? And when I heard that and I was like, it's that one. And they were like, exactly. Then I'm like, okay, then at that, from that point on, I trusted my ear. And it's that, a hard and, thing for some people to do. Yeah. And that was like in 2020. So, you know, 15, you know, 15, 16 years in, you know, you, you and so, it, yeah, a lot of it is just trusting yourself too, at the end of the day. And then, you know, you build up a thick skin on things too, because there's always critics, there's always, you know, all those things, but you know, you just keep doing what you're doing because then that's what fuels that too. Is at the end of the day, they can't. You can only stop yourself. They can't really stop you. They can try, but they really can't. So that's a that's a good segue into the other hat you wear as to artist management, where you have to embody mm-hmm. that ethos, where mm-hmm. no one's going to be stopped. So tell yeah. us tell us a little bit about the artists you manage and where you're at and how that kind of works with. The promotion and your experience in radio. Yeah, I mean that's where I met most of the artists I've, I've worked with, and it went from working in radio, interviewing artists, to you know doing local events, and you know combining art and live music and vendors and food trucks and creating like a whole curated experience for people to show up to. But that just ended up being a lot of work. So <laughs> I, I used to work with a lot of artists, and then now I predominantly work with two. I'm happy to always kind of. Um, volunteer information because I always want to see, you know, when you meet people, it's always like, for me, it's always like, let's do one thing right. Like I can always see a vision of man, you know, the possibilities, but I don't know who I'm dealing with at that particular moment. If they have that capacity to go as far as I can see. 
So that's why I only work with two artists now because they have that capacity and they have that visions for themselves. And both of them have relatively long, longer careers as well. They're not just yeah. guys that just started. Yeah, doing and, I've, this. and I've now been working with them eight, nine, ten years. And who, who's you the know? two that you're working the with? The two I work with, I work with Ryan Ito. Um, who's based originally from Baltimore, based here in Sarasota. And then I work with Montezzi, who lives in St. Pete, originally from New York. And they just have different styles. And, and I think at the end of the day, with hip-hop now, it's weird because it, it started as an original thing. You had to be original. You had to have different rhymes, a different style. And then, you know, sometime in the mid-early 2000s, it kind of ends up being kind of homogenous. Right. You know, everyone's trying to be like, you know, that's why you have YouTube producers making the X, type of beats, yeah, type like beats. Yes. And so, you know, so working with artists that have their own vision of what they want to accomplish and they're very long game, um, you know, that's what interests me because it's just like, well, then what can we create? You know, what can we do that's never been done? And that's what's led us you know, on that journey now and what we continue to do that we've been at it for a while. So, and it's blood, sweat, tears, time, you know, money, you know, all those things, but it's just to create because you own, you have those moments, but you work so hard to create those moments, but sometimes those moments can last a lifetime. And if not, at least it was enjoyable, um, creating those things. So, you know, I, I'm excited. I'm more excited now than, than I've been, you know, in the last few years because of all those possibilities. Right. You know, so it's like big projects and now they've gotten to a point where they can kind of scale and you can sit on content, you know, and, and it's just really just being different and counter to everything else because you see it where on the internet, like everybody wants this instantaneous thing. So it's like, we all come from a generation that didn't have that. Right. You, you had to wait when you called somebody at their house phone, they weren't home. So you just had to, <laughs> you just had to wait for them to get home. Right. You know? So now it's like those things to be patient enough and not seek attention. So it's really kind of being counter to those things is, is what we try to do. And, um, and that, and then just kind of navigating and being, being there with the artists, but you know, with the artists, I'm fortunate that they're very talented in what they do. So I think they would succeed with or without me. Right. But I've had people say that, oh, they wouldn't do anything without you. And I'm like, no, you can't really say that because my job is to, you know, find opportunities and they're doing it on, you know, they have to work harder for themselves first. You know, I can't do, and you know, I'm not the talent, but my job is to sell and sometimes sell to a point where they look at me and go, this guy must be full of shit. <laughs> and then I have to go, okay, then I, then I got you. So then yeah. now you present it to the artists and let them do what they do best. Because if they didn't and it failed and you hear the music, then you would, you'll know either way your people's ears, you know, are, they're going to trust them either way on what they like or don't like. And that's still kind of arbitrary at the same time. Yeah. Right. But you know, just kind of hedging your bets. And if anything too, is just kind of creating for the sake to create and just be like, all right, we can pull this off. And I'm fortunate with each of the, the two artists in Montesi and Rainito that I've worked with that we've done creative things that I think stand up, you know, where we've flown to Europe and we worked with, you know, two artists they're a guitar duo, and they were the opening act for Andrea Bocelli for like 10 years. And so we did a classical hip-hop and electronic fusion album and, you know, did something like that. You know, the upcoming project we have with Ryan Nito that we will release um, September 21st is an all-orchestrated hip-hop album of original music from the first album we did. 
And it's t- we're going to release it five years to the day that we did the orchestra show in 2018. Cool. Um, and then, you know, Montezzi does wrestling theme song music. So when I first met him, I met him through radio at a radio station. And because I was teaching Ryan Ito radio at the time, he had just started doing radio. And, you know, he's like, he brought Montezzi in. He's like, well, tell him what you do. And he goes, you know, I do wrestling theme song music. And so in my head, I, I got it really quick. I'm like, oh, he's bringing the industry of professional wrestling and sports entertainment and hip hop and making music like that. But I looked him dead in the eye once I got it. And I was like, that's great, but that's going to take a while. Mm-hmm. And here we are eight years later. I mean, we were at Booker T in Houston a couple weeks ago. He, the tag team champions, you know, Culture Inc. He's doing the theme song. So he does the performance for that. And then, you know, the week after that, we're in Miami. I met Ice Cube, you know, as guests of Michael Cooper for Big Three Basketball because, you know, he did a theme song for that team. So how much of this, does, when you're when you're going from curating a, a show for internet radio mm-hmm. to being in these types of scenes and you're in a totally different capacity, sure. what's what's the main thing that crosses over that makes it so you get to be the same cellist, you just get to succeed in two different pots? Is this just like uh, uh, the, the growth of just being passionate about music, the kid that just loved music, and you can just extrapolate that from curating a show to representing an artist? Or are you fully switching hats? No, I don't think you're, I mean, fully switching. I mean, there is like a business sense and I think it's just kind of having like a sense and read on people, you know, to, to a certain extent. And then just, um, you know, but, but I think it stems from that passion and just being that awareness. Um, but yeah, it's just as you meet people and they do that, but again, it's the artist, you know, pushing for what they want to do and get into. And I think just being willing to explore those possibilities because it, sometimes it feels like when you have those experiences, I'm like, why am I in this room and next to these people? Like I shouldn't be, but I am. So you just kind of have to trust it. Right. And, you know, just sometimes fake it till you make it or just go in there. But I think it's just at the end of the day, like being able to deal with people and then, you know, provide a high level experience or something of value to them too. Cause it's still, you know, I, I think it's still a service based thing. You know, you still got to be good to people and you know how you conduct yourself and, you know, deal in business and then deliver and execute, you know, I think, and be accountable to that too. Yeah, I've run across so many things where people just aren't accountable anymore. And, and that's like the most annoying thing. Cause Talent almost comes a dime a dozen. I, I would almost venture to say that in some music, there's people that succeed that don't have any talent because that's either they have a good budget or they got great marketing. You know, like everybody knows an artist, and that's not to say the artist is talented or not, but in their own opinion, right, in listening, that they don't, they think that music is not what they would prefer to listen to. They don't find anything of value. Right. But you know that. Because most of the time they had good budget or promotion or all those things. So there's always kind of like, you know, there's a recipe to it, you know, but how the sauce comes out at the end of the day, you know, because I'm heavily rooted too within a hospitality. Um, you know, I've worked in kitchens and restaurants and things like that. So, you know, it's consistency, you know, as a chef, you're only as good as the last meal you cooked. So you could sit there and say, oh, this guy's great. This, and then, but they hear it or they eat the food that you made. And if it's terrible, then at that particular moment, you're terrible. Right. It's just what it is. So just trying to build consistency and, you know, from there, but at least you're fortunate with music, you make a classic, then it stays classic, you know, all the way through. 
and that's sort of what you got going on with this song that you're doing five years on the anniversary, right? Tell me a little bit about that song. Yeah, um, what particular? Uh, well, it's it's an album, is what it's going to be. It's called the the Cosmic Guide, okay. and so we're making it the Cosmic Guide Experience. So we originally in 2018 it started as an idea from um, Rainito. We're in the studio, probably like 2016, 2017, and we're making this song. We're here in Sarasota, and he's like. You know, and we just started working together probably about two years in management. And he goes, I'm going to have this song played by an orchestra one day. And I was like, shit, that's, you know, pretty innovative. But now, like, I have to help, like, figure that out. That's what I'm curious about. And where, so, does, where do you come in? You know, and so, you know, from that time, I started working at the local radio station here. And the guy I was producing for had a show that was based around the arts. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's always been an idea. The, uh, the album's been out since, like, 2016. And it's kind of like a living document, it feels like, to us. So, you know, um, And so one day, the conductor of the Pops Orchestra walks right in. So I'm like, there's the opportunity. And so it was from that point I met them and tried to, like, push and get that. It took us two years to plan a two-hour show you know, at the, at the end of the day. And we did everything from the promotion to booking the venue to, you know, just a lot of steps and just in that process and allowing time, you know, it, it, it took that long because we didn't know we were just like, we're going to do this, but I don't know how the hell I'm going to do it. So <laughs> it was meeting the the conductor, having a meeting with them. And then, you know, yeah, if we're going to do it, it's going to be, it's going to be this, it's going to take that. And then, well, what about the music? Oh, then you have to get somebody to, you know, do the sheet mu- sheet music and orchestra arrangement and all that stuff. So then it just like takes time. So when you're in this role of artist management, Ryan Eater or, or Montese mm-hmm. or whomever gives you one of these ideas, do you ever have the thought where you're thinking to yourself, man, maybe we don't want to do this? Or are you always living in the gear where it's like, okay, whatever we got to take to do this, I guess I got to get on my horse right now? Yeah, I mean, now, yeah, it's kind of like, I mean, I always believe in my artist, and I think that they've consistently proven that. So, you know, by this juncture, we just kind of, like, trust it and just be willing to try it, you know? Because there's some, you know, yeah, it's just kind of being um, just willing to do it and then just seeing there. Because sometimes, like, you know, again, you can plan and execute. And even when we've made things to fruition, there's still things where I'm, like, critical of like damn the sound should have been better or right you could have made you know all those things but you know again i think it's just being willing to try and then trusting in those abilities and um you know nurturing that whether it's connections i have or platforms that we can get to or just you know just being willing to try that you know that this idea is crazy but it can't be any any worse or any better that if you don't try it. I, I know that we won't succeed if we don't try it. <laughs> yeah, you know that's that's a, that's a real. And, so at least just kind of taking the shot and just seeing like who responds. You know, because sometimes you know you could send it out and sometimes they don't respond for a certain amount of time and then people do and then it's just trying to build and do one thing right because especially in music you know you have talent but then there's the business of it there's you know the distribution the marketing the registering of the songs and all that stuff so you know so you got to know that the idea is one you're willing to put all that work in for yeah and and then again when you've done it for a long time it's it's just trying to to have a process, you know, again, it's like with, with a radio show, I have a structure, but within that structure, how are we going to create within it? 
you know, the, the creativity is unlimited, but we know in order to get it from here as an idea to it's out for people to consume and possibly listen to you to see if they like, we have to do those steps. Like those are, those are set in stone. You know, they got to record, they got to mix, they got to master. It's got to be up to snuff. You know, that takes an investment of time, money, you know, emotion and living life. And then, you know, it has to get to that process. So we always just make sure that we is building a solid foundation, you know, and just continuing to build. Um, but I, I guess I think the other project you were thinking about was the the one we did recently with the USL soccer team here in Sarasota. Yeah, that that's the one. So yeah, getting ahead of myself. But that project is called the Paradise Project, and that started with a brand new soccer team here in Sarasota. Uh, I met the team owner, and you know he's just in in his um in, in his world of soccer he's accomplished he's coached teams at a very high level he has coaching licenses and i've always loved the game of soccer and i i understand of like what's the possibility and you know again he had to listen to the music and the catalog of music he has to like it first before he decides to work with us but it was great because he understood that we're free to create so he didn't hinder us he was just like i like the music and then we just kind of figured out you know it has to kind of represent the city it has to represent the team so for us we knew um we didn't want to have the uh, we didn't have the audacity to say this one song represents everybody you're right but we had the audacity to say that myself and our artists have the range to do something that would be for the team that reaches a lot of different people on different things. So what that project ended up looking like is we had a, we did an English version, we did a Spanish version because the game of soccer and, you know, the most widely spoken language. Um, and then and certainly our local community. Yes, in the local community. And then we orchest- did orchestra versions of both of those. And then we got, we did a house music version. And then to kind of bring the community in further, it reached out to the legendary Riverview High School Kilties marching band. Nice. And asked them to, to be a part of it. And they said, yeah. So I was like, oh, okay. And then, you know, so we were able to create that experience and bring in the community and have a cool version of a marching band because who does that? But it was just that possibility and take the shot. You know, I had to reach out to a couple of high schools and some of them didn't want to do it. Okay, fine. And when I'm told no, it just means, okay, then we're not going to do it with you, but I'm still going to get it done. Right. And we were just fortunate enough that, you know, Riverview High School wanted to do the project. And, you know, that was a really cool thing because um, after doing that experience, you know, we didn't really know the effect, but it kind of like restored our faith too. And like the younger generations coming up, because I think if they're given the right opportunities and a trust for them to create and be a part of something, then, then they're going to want to be invested in it too. And there's plenty to be excited about. Yeah. And, and, you know, again, it, it restored our kind of faith and it was like really cool, but then we, I didn't even really see what the effect it would have after, but you know, the students had never been part of a video shoot. And they didn't know what that takes. And then they were active and, you know, and they just brought their own part. And that's the way I, you know, it was just like, we want to create this experience, but what can be brought to it? You know, I can't play the music. I don't, and that's the thing. I don't play an instrument. I just have an ear because I've been, you know, a music listener for a long ass time. And I've listened to a lot of music and there's just certain tones and beats and music that move me a certain way. And, and this is really your underlying skill set. Yeah, I guess so. I guess you could say that, yeah. 
you know, is just being a longtime listener and, you know, first time caller, yeah. <laughs> you know, and just kind of working through all that. So when you're serving the capacity that you do for Ryan Edo and something like this soccer thing comes up, do you actively call out cold call and say, hey, I got a guy that could be the the greatest theme song on tap. We need a crack at this. Or, or does it kind of come to you? Or how does something like that work from from your job part of it? Yeah, it, it's uh it's just, I think, always just kind of being aware and looking for opportunities and trying to explore that. So with the soccer team, it, this was, it was announced in October of last year. So what was remarkable about this soccer team is they, he, the owner created it in six months. Damn. Ryan Ito and I worked with him for seven months. <clears throat> so I, I saw it, that it was announced in there, and I was like, oh, okay, there's a team here. Like, this is cool, and it's a USL team, and that's it's a it's just under the Major League Soccer, right? And just I know what the possibilities are because here in Sarasota, the community's growing. You got a bigger city, like you know, so we're down to build something foundational. So I just reached out, literally hit them on Instagram, and just proposed the idea. And they, you know, I went to their development meetings and spoke, met everybody, and said, "This is what we want to do." And again, they had to listen to the music. You know, I could sit here and talk all day, but yeah. you know, if it's not up to snuff. And then it just kind of built from there. We just kind of kept going along and just said, this is what we're going to do. And, you know, make the first song, found the beat, and then, you know, just kind of built from there. But it was just willing to take that initial reach out. And that just came from reading the paper, you know, seeing a post on Facebook from a local newspaper and just being like, hmm, and reaching out. And then I sat with the owner. We watched a World Cup game downtown. And then the rest is kind of history. And then we just kind of built out and worked with them as the team, you know, got there. And, you know, seven months later, you know, they're playing their game. They got their first win at home. And, you know, when after they win, the song is everyone's walking out the stadium is our song. So it's the sheer willingness to be proactive. Yeah, that's the big part. You know, you nothing, nothing happens by itself and nothing comes easy. So you have to just kind of work the process of it. You know, and, and see, and sometimes, you know, it falls short or, you know, you know, people don't want to work or, you know, again, as you go up and you work with different artists too, you know, everybody's working at their different pace. They're working on those things. So, you know, it's trying to like create those moments and those conditions for it to be created and for it to succeed. And, you know, that's kind of the, the fun part is I like seeing things built, you right. know, because it's easy for people to destroy things and tear it down, but to build and foundational because we know that you know, the, the team, I'm willing to bet on that team, you know, that, that this is, people may not get it now, but that's something that's going to carry for years, you know, as they, as when, what their goals are on what they're trying to do and build a successful team. So, you know, if, if in meeting the owner and he wanted to be successful, then, you know, I want to see him be successful as well. Cause he's also a good person. Right. So, you know, working with good people, doing good things, then, you know, leads to success. So, you know, again, and the way I work with artists too is, you know, we always say that there's three things that shouldn't hinder us from working ego, women, and money. Because those are the things that traditionally like break people up. Yeah. And every move we make, it takes a team to do it. And so, you know, just going through that process and being willing to do it and, and working with those people, I don't, it's, um, you know, again, you're always going to encounter issues when you're creating something or trying to accomplish something, but I shouldn't have issues with the people that say they want to accomplish those things with us. So like when I work with artists, I have three things I say. I said, we should speak to, get, we should speak to each other one way, honestly, and we should have a different conversation every day 
because we shouldn't be stagnated. We should be trying to build and solve these issues. And then thirdly, if we set up and have an opportunity, we don't set them up to screw them up. You know, simple as that. That's that's yeah, the rule that we're that says that. I might have to, man. <laughs> you know, but, but that's that's where those things. You keep it simple, right? And then just build, and then you know, then those possibilities. But those are the things that I've been able to work with these two artists. You know, for you know, almost ten years, and what we've accomplished. And you know, we're still you know going through those things, and it just you know everything happens in time. But you just kind of have to give yourself that opportunity to do this if you want it. But you know, again, it's not. Um, you know, it's not for the faint of heart, you know, it's, you know, and again, it's a long game like with these guys. Yeah. I mean, I've, you know, so many, you know, just their personal lives and my personal things where, you know, you've lived and almost died, right? you know, as you well know, you know, you've gone through those things. So, um, you know, that's what kind of enables those possibilities. So you've definitely got an innate skill set to bring things together, make things happen. You've been blessed to work with some some good people who've given you great yeah. knowledge and some good artists who've been equally dedicated yeah. and on the same page. So you you you've got a good handle on on a lot of the battle of making the content. Now you have to get people's attention, regardless of if it's Montesi or mm-hmm. Ryanito or the process. Right. What do you find to be the biggest challenge now to garner some attention other than if you build it, they will come? Well, yeah, building it is one thing, but and then getting their attention, and it depends on who you're trying to get the attention of, you know. And and I think even as as artists and having a vested interest in this, it's hard for people to really understand, you know, because music stands up for the test of time. But to news publications, if it doesn't bleed and it's not freshly bleeding, then it's not really a point. So having to sell and having to reach out and find that. So that's kind of another thing for me from radio and working with other people like PR wise is you have to tell a good story. You know, it could be great, but if the visuals and content behind it and the rollout don't look good or there's not a method. And that's what I find is a lot of people just, Oh, this happens. We got to get the selfie and we got to do it. And then we got to put it out. But now that you've put it out now, what? You know, what, what is your plan? Was there a rollout? Is it leading them to something else? So it has to be consistent. So, so one of the bigger challenges now is consistency, but one of the bigger challenges of consistency is actually having all the material? Yeah, and just saying? being willing to be patient and to sit, you know? And, and I've learned that process because my the artists I work with are patient. Sometimes they've been more patient with me because I'm like, damn, we need to drop this. And then you take a step back, and it's like it's not ready. You know, we've sat on things for a year to now like this the footage we did from the orchestra show in 2018 has never been released so we sat on this content for five years but this will be put out with yes this will be put out so we're going to release the album is set to release september 21st and then with that we're putting all that footage together and then because what we did too is we had the pops orchestra but we didn't get a really good sound recording at the time but we have all the footage Mm -hmm. so what we did is we actually worked with um a live orchestra producer who's worked with like Saturday Night Live and nice. you know all these orchestras. His name is um, Nathaniel Wolkstein, and the guy's worked been in orchestras since he was twelve. His mom is a harpist and his dad is a pianist. So you know he either live plays or works with other people to create this. So we basically went back and re-engineered, mixed, mastered, and replayed all the music, matched it with all the vocals, and then. Now we're syncing it up as a film with that and then release nice. the whole thing. So that's what that next project will be coming out. 
Yeah. Very cool. Mm-hmm. So that's the immediate future for Ryan Ito. Yeah. What's the immediate future for TZ, and what's the the future for you? Montezzi, um, we I were mean, just... I definitely want to get them in here. Yeah. yeah. But as it relates to you, what what is, what's next on Celis' calendar for keeping everybody running? Uh, man, I mean, it's just kind of looking to continue to look for more opportunities and, you know, building stuff out and, you know, again, building my show, um, you know, continuing to do, like, I'll do voiceover work. And, you know, just finding people to collaborate with. I mean, I think that's kind of the lifeblood and the energy of it, you know, which you enjoy finding people that want to do creative things. And, you know, now I'm fortunate that they've gotten to a certain point that they've worked with great artists. I mean, just this week, Montezzi charted number 28 with his album with John Connor. John Connor's worked with Dr. Dre. He's worked with a lot of people. And they did a joint album together, charted number 28 in Japan this week. Nice. You know, so, you know, it's just chasing those things or just, you know, pursuing and just producing and putting it out there. And it's just, you know, consistent is, you know, these artists are consistent in doing it. You know, they've proven that and they continue to do it. And, you know, it's humbling when there's people that you look up to or you listen to for years and now you're speaking with them and you're producing music with them. And, and it's just being kind of calculated on how we do all those things and, you know, taking those shots. So, um, you know, for me, it's just continuing to build that out and build, you know, what I'm doing with the radio and exploring the possibilities with high definition DJs. Um, you know, and we're supposed to have meetings coming up here in like the next week because they just went to um, DJ X, which is a... Um, uh, conference in Atlantic City that happened so like 5,000 DJs so they went there as the high definition DJs and met with different vendors and all these different things so there's other opportunities so it was a great time for me to join with them because I bring all my radio experience and then you know what they bring to it and they know that we're all good for the work that we're willing to do the work and build so now we're just kind of seeing what that are so what that is and so now, now there's more things that are coming and you know, we're just kind of getting, again, just mastering the possibilities and just staying, staying open and aware too. You know, it's just, it's, you're always looking at like, what's the next thing? Because it's largely a sales thing. You know, you, you eat what you kill. Yeah. You right. Know, you get what you get and what you build off of. And, you know, and that's the weird thing. It's, it's, it's always hurry up and wait, you know, oh, we got this thing. All right, cool. They want to do it. We record it. When are we going to put it out? What's the rollout plan? You know, you just, you know, again, so you always want to just have things like in queue. And now it's gotten to the point with, you know, all the artists, they always, there's always something coming, you know, and, and that, again, that was like really just having to plan that way of like, don't say much on social media because it doesn't matter right. to a certain extent, because that was the other thing. It took like three or four years of my artists to just, to literally tell them, just shut up. Well, what do you mean? Well, it's different if you have a message in your music, like you're free to express yourself. But either way, when you say things in a social media and everybody has an opinion, you're going to make somebody mad. So at least make them mad for them listening to your music, <laughs> you know, right. and do something else. So, and just being focused. And this, it sort of creates an overpromise, under deliver. You let your own cat out of your own bag too soon. Mm-hmm. And then that becomes the challenge. Yeah. Because then, and that's the thing is you want to maximize it because you, you, you create this moment. And so you want to make sure that there's an impact for that moment. So how do you do those things? And sometimes, it's the it's the timing or you know just the rollout and having that content so you know again everything just kind of leads to something you know like and and just being willing to try like i was just working you know this past week ryan ito was working on releasing a kids book 
And it's a kid's book about a little kid. It's called The Cosmic Kid, and he aspires to be a rapper, right? But the whole thing is these people, he's trying these different things, singing, being an announcer, and all these things, but all these people are constantly telling him, you can't do it. You know, you're not going to succeed and don't do that stuff. So it's just this part of this kind of motivational story of somebody that has a dream and they just want to pursue it. So, you know, and, and I think that that's what's so funny is, yeah, I want to work with people that are creative, that really want to do the work and what it takes to get there, you know, creatively. Because then you can look back and be like, damn, like we have done those things. And sometimes like for us, it's like I, we remember the losses more than some of the wins. Of course, you know, where we've done, you know, school projects, you've, you know, all these events, magazines and mixtapes and all these things through the years that have gotten us to where we are now. But you just don't. Um, yeah, I, I, it, there's kind of like a bit of non-complacency, but just I think enjoying just the, the creativity of it and just seeing like, OK, we can do this. We can take these things. But, you know, if you would have told me 10 years ago when I first moved here to Florida, I didn't think I'd be working with artists because I don't like many people. <laughs> you know, where they'd be like, oh, you should work with these artists. I'm like, I don't like many. So they, they just had to have those right factors. And I think it's just an understanding with people. But most importantly, like for me, like I care about them as a friend and, you know, what we do in business and look out for their best interest too. But, you know, they say, you know, friends in business, like don't mix and family and all that stuff. And I don't think that's necessarily true. I just think they are... They are independent, but they're also interdependent of each other. So you have to just be mindful of those things. And I think as long as you have the best interest and there's an open communication and honesty, then, you know, you can succeed. But a lot of it is just like killing your ego at the same time. <laughs> Which isn't the worst thing. No, it's, it's not. But it's hard for people to do. Right. You know, and, and it's always going to be there. I mean, right. you're always fighting something, but it's just to, I think, just delay and be willing to kind of like let go of your own stuff to build these things and then, you know, see that. Right. So, well, I know all that knowledge has really given you a leg up in creating those moments, creating those space for yourself as a curator and for your artists mm -hmm. as well, no doubt. Um, and I know we can find the the culmination of Ryan Ito's work and Montezzi's work yep. streaming where we can find all, all digital platforms. Streaming. Yep. And I'd like to talk a little bit quick here. And then we can get you out of here about where we can find you because high definition DJs right now, you do a show, yep. but the show is not archived. It can only be caught in real time at the moment, correct? Yeah. You can find the playlist. You can find me on, you know, you know, Instagram, DJ underscore Cellus, C-E-L-L-U-S. Yep. We'll um, definitely link everything. And, yep. And the show is live um, every Wednesday, 10 p.m. to 11 uh, p.m. And then the following day is at... Um, so Thursdays at 11 a.m. Eastern time, it plays again. Um, I am working with them to, we're working the archive pages and building all that stuff out. Um, yeah, so that's where you can find me. And then, you know, if people really want the episodes, I, I have them all archived. I produce all of them too, so I'm always happy to send the link. Part of that latitude you can have. It. Yeah, yeah, because you can do it and, you know, go from there. So th it's always just like building everything out. It's never a done process but it's just incorporating things too so it's um, building yeah yeah just continuing you're, to you're build. a builder my man yeah and i've to, always man. respected that appreciate <laughs> thank that. you man i appreciate it well Celis, i gotta thank you two times over for coming in thank i know you, we're man. gonna talk to you again yeah. and i'm looking forward to getting ryan ito and mr Montezzi in here too and hearing about all the awesome things they yeah, got for cooking. sure thank you brother thank you man i appreciate it see you soon yeah man thank you <laughs>